Logan has snicked his way into theaters, but does Hugh Jackman's final ride as the animantium clawed Canadian badass live up to its current score of 92% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes? Find out right now on an all-new episode of Matt in a Matinee. Welcome everyone to another episode of Matt and Matinee. Of course, as always, I am your host, Matt, and this week we'll be taking a road trip to Eden with Wolverine as I review Logan, the third and final film of Hugh Jackman's storied career as our animantium clawed Canadian badass friend, Logan, aka Wolverine. Now, as always, my format will remain the same. I'll give you my likes, dislikes, all spoiler-free, and I'll let you know when we're about to go into the spoilers so you can shut this episode off. Go see the film if you haven't seen it for yourself yet. I personally have seen it twice and then come back later and hear my final thoughts on what I thought about Logan. So without further ado, let's get right in to my review of Logan. In the near future, a wary Logan cares for an ailing Professor Xavier in a hideout on the Mexican border. But Logan's attempts to hide from the world and his legacy are upended when a young mutant arrives at being pursued by dark forces. So my likes on Logan, the violence. The amount of violence and action in this film is a key part of what has been missing from the previous two Wolverine films. I'm talking X-Men Origins Wolverine, and then The Wolverine. Going with an R rating was a perfect way to end Jackman's time as Logan and a treat for the fans, giving them the Wolverine movie they have waited 17 years to see. The action in this movie is amazing. The stunts in this movie is, are amazing. The wire teamwork in this movie is amazing. You don't have any of that weird, just unnatural looking wire movement like you had in X2. Everything in this movie is flawless. It's well done. It looks fantastic. It's beautiful. I cannot count complain whatsoever about the violence in this movie it needed to be done it's about time it was done it wasn't overdone it was tastefully done but i'll go into a little bit more of that into uh the spoiler section but for now i'm just gonna say that the violence in this movie is definitely a key draw um because it's what's been missing from the wolverine and x-men movies in general for the past 17 years the acting in this film. The cast in this film turns in some outstanding performances. It'll be a shocker if Jackman's name isn't surrounded by Oscar buzz for his performance in this film. Patrick Stewart turned hands down his best performance in his years of playing Professor Charles Xavier at times actually outshined Hugh Jackman in this film, and, and he really did. Like There's so many points in this movie where Patrick Stewart really outshines Hugh Jackman, and I'll get more into that in the spoiler section too because I don't want to give too much away. Daphne Keene turned in the best performance of her young career in her portrayal of x-23 half the movie she doesn't talk and it's all done through facial expressions and body language and attitude and she nails all of that perfectly that's just amazing for the fact that this is only this young girl's second film if she continues on this path she's going to have a hell of a career ahead of her so she's definitely someone that you want to be on the lookout for um i'm going to be honest with you here my likes and dislikes are kind of vague because a lot of this film i feel if you're not careful you can fall into the spoiler trap we'll get it we'll be getting into spoilers real quick by something i'll say or do if i go too in depth with these topics as far as my likes and dislikes i'll I'll go through them in depth i promise in their entirety in the spoiler section but i feel doing it now would be a grave injustice and could potentially spoil the film for some people who haven't seen it yet because like i told a lot of people when i first saw this movie is that there's not a lot of things you can talk about in this film that couldn't be misconstrued and taken as spoilers the fact that the x-men comics exist in this world is amazing the fact that they decided to combine these 
these two mediums was really a special touch. You, you've seen in the trailer, so it's not really a, a spoiler. Wolverine picks up the magazine and he's looking at it and he, he kind of shows it to Charles and he's like, look, Charles, we have ourselves an X-Men fan. And he's like, maybe some of it happened about a quarter of it, but not like this. And basically they're just saying that it shows you that after the events of Days of Futures Past and then you see X-Men Apocalypse, kind of X-Men Apocalypse, if you've seen that movie, it gives you the feel that the X-Men are, are heroes and they're loved and people adore them by the fact that Mystique is kind of looked at as, as an idol, as a hero in that film and going forward. So it's kind of cool how that carries over a little bit to Logan and with those comics, you get a sense that they were looked at as heroes, but maybe particularly in Logan's case, he doesn't look at it like that. He looks at them as stories, lies made up by the people whose names are on the cover of that book. Like we know comic books today. Uh, there's a lot of metaphors in this film that I'll go into more into spoilers. Like I said, it's, it's something that could be, if we talk about it here, it's going to be misconstrued as spoilers. I don't want to spoil this film for anyone who hasn't seen it yet because it's just that good. I want you to go see it. I want you to experience this film for yourself. I don't want to take anything away from your first watching of this film. The callbacks to the X-Men Origins Wolverine film without making it overpowering and reminding you of that film were really well done. And again, we'll go into that with more with the spoilers. It's going to keep saying it over and over again here. I know a lot of people have seen it. Some people might not have seen the movie yet. So don't want to take away from the, the pure bliss and magic that is experience this movie for the first time spoiler free. Um, the post-apocalyptic Western vibe took the film and made it feel more like a Marvel version of the Nolan Dark Knight universe. It's kind of their reimagining of it and, and kind of putting Logan in that type of environment and, and that type of movie. And I think the R rating went a long way to help with that. Uh, this was a comic book movie for people that didn't like comic book movies. This film works on so many levels and so many ways that you can take uh, the fact that they are superheroes out of the equation. And I believe this film would still work on the same levels. I don't think this film, this film had nothing to do with Wolverine and it was literally just a man trying to get a girl to safety with his ailing grandfather or ailing boss or professor or whatever you want in, in the back trying to save them too. I think this film works in the same level. It's just that well written. It's that well acted. It's just that well done. I think even just changing a plot point, even though it's a big plot point, the fact that they're mutants, I feel like even removing that, that plot point that they're mutants would not hurt this film in any way. So we're going to get into my dislikes now. Um, the second act of this film is really slow and was used more to have Logan and X-23 bond and start building a relationship, start focusing on that relationship. When I say second act, that's more of when they're kind of driving and, and everything is going on in the car and they're sleeping and, and all these discussions are taking place in the car. So that, that's more of the second act of the film when they're moving from point A to point B. And it, it feels like that was more used for Xavier to teach his final lessons and to kind of build that, um, you know, that relationship between Logan and X-23. I felt that the ending of this film was kind of a sore spot and a soft spot, and I kind of have an issue with the ending of this film, but I'll go more into that in the spoiler section. Uh, the choice of the villains in this movie. This film falls victim to the one thing that Marvel can't seem to do or overcome in any of its Marvel movies. They've overcome it to an extent in their Netflix shows, but it feels like with Marvel cinematic properties, and I'm not necessarily saying Marvel Studios properties in particular, I'm saying Marvel cinematic properties from um, the X-Men movies, Fantastic Four, all the Marvel cinematic movies, 
your Thors, Captain America's, Iron Man's, so far every Marvel movie can't overcome the fact that the villains are poorly handled and underutilized. It felt like they're really a waste. There, There's not a threat there. They don't feel like... The perfect example that I'll use here is X-Men Apocalypse. I'm going to spoil this movie if you haven't seen X-Men Apocalypse. Yeah, I'm sorry this movie came out last year. Plenty of time to see it. X-Men Apocalypse. Apocalypse in the comic books is this huge menacing threat, this big bad guy that everyone is afraid of. And in the movies, he really doesn't do anything. He prophesizes the end of the world. He gives the horsemen their abilities and raises their powers. But at the end of it, he's not that big of a threat. It does not feel like he's that big of a threat. They do not establish the credibility of his threat in the films like they do in the comic book. And Marvel has had a problem with this since day one. They've never been able to transfer this over well from the print medium to the films. They, they've yet to be able to show that a bad guy is menacing in the way that they are in the books on the big screen. And I don't know why it's so hard, but I'm not a writer. I'm just a dude sitting on a couch reviewing a movie that I sat in a theater and watched. I'm not a writer, but I do know a lot about films and it's a, a art that I'm passionate about to know that there's got to be a way that you can critique this to make these characters feel more threatening and like there's a bigger threat looming with them and that they actually have some sort of, um, I don't know what you would call it, but some sort of just drive or that there's something threatening about them. There's something threatening about them that you should fear. There should be fear behind them and you just don't get that. You've yet to get that through any villain, be it Ultron, who's a huge feared bad guy. Um, You don't get it in Civil War. You, you don't get it in um Captain America with Red Skull. You don't get it in Iron Man with Whip Whiplash. You don't get it in Iron Man with Hammer. You don't get it in Iron Man with the Iron Monger. You don't get it in Hulk with Abomination. You just don't get it. There's has yet to be a film even winter soldier winter soldier okay yeah it was it was kind of there a little bit but it wasn't the greatest i mean i think winter soldier would have to be the closest marvel film to getting this right but even making galactus a fucking cloud in fantastic four rise of the silver surfer they're not menacing it feels like there's no threat behind them and it, it sucks it really sucks. But Daredevil does the Daredevil TV show does a great job of doing it. Jessica Jones did a fantastic job of it with Purple Man. I think Purple Man so far is by far the best adaptation of a Marvel villain, hands down. And it sucks that they can get it right in these TV shows for the most part versus the movies. And I, maybe it's just because the TV shows have, you know, 13 hours to do it in since each episode is about an hour long and there's 13 of them. You know, they have about 13 hours to, to flush these characters out as to where Marvel movies are trying to do it in under an hour and a half to two hours I, I don't know i like i mean right now the most let me put it this way other than winter soldier the most fleshed out villain in the marvel cinematic universe should absolutely be thanos but even then we haven't really heard much about thanos since guardians um yeah guardians we see him at the end of the movie you know it's not they kind of try or trying to flesh him out through those end of the movie clips where you see him taking the gauntlet from Asgard or you see you know him on the throne in space or even with Doctor Strange you know he's having that talk with Thor at the end so you know he's gonna be in Thor riding rock they're kind of giving you a little bit of him as they go through the the end credit scenes they're trying their best to flesh him out but we'll see how that goes but I, I think, hands down, without question, Purple Man in the Jessica Jones series is by far the most menacing and fleshed out Marvel villain. All right. So right now, right here, do 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 spoilers, 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 spoilers. We're going to get in the spoiler section. This is where the meat of my review is going to be. So if you have not yet seen Logan, hit the stop button right now. Save this spot. Get in your car. Go to the theater. See it. 
Come back and let me know if you agree, disagree with me, why or why not, on my final thoughts on this film. And then let me know what you thought of the film. And I'll let you know where at the end of the episode where you can find me at and everything like that. But the spoilers. So you've been warned. Spoiler section. Spoilers. How times have changed for Logan. Logan is in a very different place when we last left him than at the end of the Wolverine. The plans to change the future by stopping the events of the days of future past did in fact change the timeline, but history and time always finds a way. By 2029, uh, in the start of this film... There hasn't been any new mutants born in many years. Logan is an ill, dying, grizzled shell of his former self, spending his days as a glorified Uber driver and his nights drowning the remaining of his life in booze, always he tries to take care of an ailing Professor X and protect people from the most powerful mind in the world as it's losing a battle with what can only be assumed as Alzheimer's or some other brain degenerative disease. They don't go into great depth in this film with what Xavier has. We just know that they classify his brain as a weapon of mass destruction, that he is losing his memory. We see that throughout the film at different times. He's having these seizures. There's something wrong with him that they don't explain and don't exactly give it to you. They kind of leave it open to your imagination and kind of let you explore that and let you think what you want to think of what's causing it, but they don't spoon feed it to you. And I really, really like that. This movie was brutal, but at no time, throughout the film did I feel that the brutality was over the top and excessive. You never get buckets of blood and unnecessary gore just because they could. Any decapitation, loss of limb, claw to the head, any amount of violence and action and gore and brutality you got in this film was well placed, was strategically placed, never felt excessive, never felt over the top. It all felt very real and it felt like every time you see Wolverine shoving his claws into dude's head or um, cutting off someone's arm or even like the very beginning of the movie movie starts out with Wolverine fighting three three dudes or four dudes or whatever it is a gang of dudes trying to steal his, his tires or his rims on his his car his limo that he's an uber driver for and you see him cut a dude's arm off and decapitate a dude and you see him stick his claws up through a dude's head and kind of pull his face off and his, his face protrudes from the bones of his head and then goes back and you would think that if you're getting in the right spot and you pull forward that's gonna happen but the movie was not I don't feel like it was ever excessively violent. And they were like, well, we got an R rating, so let's just, we're going for an R rating, so let's just make it as violent as we want. Let's just put blood everywhere, guts everywhere, gore everywhere. It wasn't like that. One of the best scenes that I think describes this the best is in the casino when Xavier is having a seizure and Wolverine's trying to get up to him and you see that Xavier is surrounded by the the military guys and he's clawing his way up to the room to save Xavier in X-23 and he's just kind of like pushing his claws through people's heads and, and cutting people down and striking them down as that's going on and even through slow motion like when he puts a dude's his claws through a dude in, into the wall like it's it was all really well and I think tastefully done it wasn't like when I say tastefully it wasn't over the top it wasn't like a, a gore house film there wasn't buckets of blood everywhere when he murdered some dude blood didn't go spraying everywhere never did you get a blood spray at the camera like even the blood splatter you got on the wall was I feel like the right amount it wasn't over excessive it's not like someone just took a, a two gallon bucket or 12 gallon pickle bucket and just fucking shot blood all over the wall that it never felt like that and i feel like that was really well done and it was really one of the highlights of this film is just you gotta you gotta tip your hat to the special effects team and the choreography of this film and the fight scenes and, and everything like that i talked about before it, it's really a testament to to their skill of how well this movie comes off in that aspect patrick stewart turned in hands down his 
best performance in his years of playing Professor Xavier. He single-handedly brings the small amount of comedy this film has in it. From his time in the water tower, reacting to the Taco Bell Chalupa commercial, and reciting it as he wheels around out of his mind, or telling Logan to keep Caliban the albino away from him, or his quick and brash remarks to Logan when they're making when they're making their way across country, and Logan asks him to show that he's taking his pills. Um, this film isn't loaded with other X-Men, as you find out throughout the film that thanks to whatever is going on with Xavier in his brain that's sending him into these seizures is what is responsible for killing the other X-Men, and that's why they're not in the film. And they don't come out right there and tell you that. You live it through newscasts on the radio, or you live it through just bits and pieces of what he can recall, and, you know, when he's in the water tower with Logan and he's going crazy, he, he's like, move aside, sir, move aside. And he acted like, well, I don't know if he acted like, but he couldn't remember who Logan was, and then he falls out of his chair, and he's like, why am I here? And then he steps back and remembers who Logan is, and he tells Logan, I always remember you, but it's just sometimes I forget. And that was kind of a powerful message, I think, is that it, it kind of shows maybe what someone with Alzheimer's is kind of going through, that they probably remember you, but just sometimes forget. Like, they know that they know you somehow, but they don't remember how. So... I don't know. It, it was just something that kind of struck a chord with me, but I feel like Patrick Stewart, like I said, turned an amazing performance. He brings a little bit of comedy to this movie that, that still just, it's the right amount, I feel. Um, and, and don't get me wrong, at no time throughout this movie does it feel like a sad, depressing movie. It, it doesn't. You know, even at the end of it, when you find out what happens to Logan and the final outcome of everything and all the characters in the film, it's still not a sad movie. Like, there's moments where you feel sad for these characters and you feel bad and, like, you have remorse and you, you just have general feelings for these characters but it's never over the top like they don't go for the tone of trying to make you feel sorry for these characters throughout the entire film the addition of x-23 to this film was just amazing i like that they went to the route of making logan her biological father instead of his clone i like that even though they did change some of her origin story they still stuck true to a lot of what makes her such a popular character as far as like very people who don't know x-23 she in the comics she is a logan clone um, I believe her only the only parts in her that are animantium are her foot claws and her hand claws. She's got two claws that protrude from her hands and then one from her foot. And they go through and explain that very elegantly and very well in the film. And they kind of use the um, the lioness as a perfect example for it, where her hand claws are, are for offense and the foot claws for defense. And and they do a great job of, of showing that in the film. I wish that you got to see it a little bit more than you do. Um, you get to see at the beginning where she's trying to to fight off the soldiers and then kind of at the end where she's fighting the main bad guy in this film. I, I've, I love that character. I think the, the girl who played her did a fantastic job. Um, just everything about X-23 in this movie was was so well done and I liked that they showed them you know, surgically implanting the animantium in her. She has the healing factor like Wolverine so she heals. She has a lot of the same, almost the same abilities as Wolverine. It's just that I don't believe her entire skeleton is animantium. I'm almost 100% sure on that. I'll have to go back and, and double check but I'm almost 100% sure that her, that the only difference between those two is that the two claws um, Laura has the foot claw Wolverine does not and that she is not full animantium but she still has the same healing factor um, I felt that the villain choice of X-24 was one of the sour points of this film he felt just tossed in at times and really had no point of being in it the biggest enemy to Logan in this film was time 
but I felt it could have taken well into the third act of this film before some people understood that. It felt like Pierce and his men were kind of just there to direct the story along, but never really to impose that big of a threat to anyone until deep into the third act. As every time they came and caught up to Logan in X-23, they were easily dispatched. You were never really given a reason to fear these guys until the farm and at the end of the third act. I feel like a better choice of villain for this film over X-24 and making a, a strict clone of Wolverine to making him identical to Logan, just more rage-filled, would have been Logan's illegitimate son, Dakin. The decision to use Dakin over X-24 would make absolutely no difference. The fact that Dakin is, an, is Wolverine's illegitimate child, <clears throat> I feel would have been more, done the story more justice and would have made more sense than having a direct clone of Logan show up because that's kind of what X-23 was supposed to be. And I kind of like, like I said before that they made, they ch decided to change that and made her, you know, his biological child is to where Jack or Dakin is also his bi biological child. And they could have went with that as well. It would have kept the same feel they were going for. And you wouldn't have had any of that phoned in cheesy feeling that you kind of got with having a direct clone of Logan and X-24. Now, I'm sure what you're asking is, Matt, how can they use Dakin? How does Dakin's backstory fit into this movie? It doesn't. Well, I'm here to tell you it does. They could have easily used the events of the Wolverine film to explain Dakin's origin with it being pretty damn close to the comic book accurate origin of Dakin with only having to change a few names and who would have ultimately been responsible for Dakin's mother and timely demise. Because in the comic, it was Winter Soldier. They don't have the rights at Fox to use Winter Soldier, so they could have tweaked that a little bit, but they still could have used Dakin because a lot of the events that took place with um i can't remember her name from wolverine miracle i want to say i i can't remember her name from x-men origins wolverine the girl the woman he gets on the plane with at the end um that he they could have easily used her now that's not dakin's mother in the comics but they could have easily made her dakin's mother for this reason thus instilling a more legitimate bad guy and a giving a more legitimate reason that someone who looks like Wolverine um, would be coming after him, especially seeing as Dakin carried the mantle of Wolverine, was a member of the Dark Avengers in the comics. Um, I like the fact that they still kept calling back to X-Men Origins Wolverine by bringing the Animantium bullet back, but chose to dance around that film in such a way to remind you that it was a technically part of the trilogy, but not enough to bring back old memories that would have turned you off from this film and made you remember that that film sucked and kind of taken you away from the experience that they were looking for you to have with Logan. This movie is packed with metaphors. You don't have to look very hard to see that. You get to see through the characters the three stages of Wolverine's life. You have X-23 representing his early years, X-24, his more versatile or vengeful or wild or just murderous, pure rage years, um, the middle years before joining the X-Men, and you kind of get the the um, the seasoned vet at the end of the line in the current Logan that has been working with Xavier to change who he is and to kind of unlock who he was supposed to be and to move more away from the ferocious, ferocious beast and killer that is Wolverine and more of the, the humble everyday man or trying to be everyday man that Logan is trying to represent and wants to be. There's also a Jesus metaphor that I picked up on that I'm not necessarily sure the filmmakers were going for as it almost felt like they were hinting at the end of the film that Logan was Jesus right down to the fact that he was crucified on a wooden log. Now, I know it wasn't a cross, but just follow me here, okay? And the fact that I felt like he was dying to absolve the young mutant sin so they could go live a better life in peace without having to kill 
anymore. Um, the whole like him being impaled on the wooden log and his arms were stretched out and he, you almost kind of got that that feeling of, of crucifixion a little bit. And he, he says, you know, so this is what it feels like. It, just down to that whole moment, it felt very, very like a Jesus metaphor. Again, I don't know if they were going for that, and maybe I'm the only one that picked up on that, but this is kind of what I felt and picked up on. Um, what was killing Logan? I like the fact that in a lot of ways, they left this as an open-ended question. Was he really being poisoned by the animantium in his body, and his healing factor was so diminished from old age that he wasn't able to fight off the sickness anymore? Or was it something different like cancer? Or was it something la some kind of lasting effect from the parasite that was implanted in him in the Wolverine that took away his healing factor in that film that he only got back after removing the parasite um the answers kind of flirted with but ultimately left open for debate and for you to decide i really like that i really like that they didn't put a definitive reason why wolverine was sick i know they say in there that the animantium wolverine's like i know it's killing me and he he refers to the animantium killing him i like that it shows that his healing factor is, is slowing down so much that he has to pull his claws out i like that it shows that by the end of the movie his his healing factor is almost all but gone to where he's not healing anymore and he's taking an extremely long time to heal and I, I just really I really enjoyed all of the aspects of that and they they hint at the animantium killing him but he when he opens the file um for x23 and all the other kids it says pediatric cancer research so hints there at cancer so they're kind of leading you those two directions but then you got to remember with the healing factor diminishing there was that aspect of x or not i shouldn't say x there was that aspect of the wolverine the second film in the franchise that he had implanted in him in Japan and he had to basically remove it in order to get his healing factor back because it was it would took away his healing factor. So there's there's a couple of different at least three or four different reasons for him being sick in this film um, and they kind of just allude they, they leave it open. They don't really like, they allude to a couple different reasons but they kind of leave it open a little bit without spoon feeding it to you or holding your hand to kind of leave it up to you to decide what it was. Um, I, one of the things I should have mentioned in my dislikes, but I'll mention it here because of the spoilers, is at the end of the film, I kind of felt like the relationship between Laura, X-23, and Logan kind of evolved too quickly. Um, you have, you know, she went from not talking to him, pretty much despising him, to at the end of the film, calling him daddy as he's dying. And I, I guess I can understand that that's an emotional time and you're losing your father, and you, but you just met him and he was kind of a dick to you throughout the entire thing and just that asshole but i guess you see that his final heroic act to come save you was a definitive that he cared about you and you know you kind of start seeing that that logan cares for her throughout the end of the film until you get to the film's climax and conclusion but it i just feel like it was unnaturally quick to have her running into calling him daddy i understand why they did it but it was just one of those things where i was kind of like man that really stuck out to me it's nothing that you can't overlook and it's nothing that changes the um quality of the film. Uh, I feel like this film was a very, very fitting and satisfactory end for Logan as much as it was to Jackman's time as the character. I'm happy they sent Wolverine out on a note of redemption and not encased in animantium like they did in the comics. I feel like that was such a stupid and unfitting death for Wolverine in the books, especially if they choose it to be his final death because he's been gone for a couple years now and his mantle's been picked up by Old Man Logan and X-23 who now goes by Wolverine. So his mantle's been picked up, which I'm expecting them to completely continue 
continue doing in the films, but just the way they did it in the in the comic books had a lot of people angry and a lot of people pissed off, and it kind of feels like the director in this film was kind of like, we're not going to go that route. The writer and director were like, we're not going to go that route. We're giving him a more fitting end, and I absolutely love the way they sent him out in this movie, and it was a perfect way to end Wolverine, not only Wolverine's time, but Hugh Jackman's time as Wolverine. Um, now there's stipulations to this. I feel like this film should have ended differently or at least had a different, after the credit scene, as they might've painted themselves into a corner. It almost feels like if they ever want to use X-23 with the current run of X films, because she's in 2029, I think. Yeah, 2029. So she's in the future. She's after the events of Days of Futures Past. She's gone. So if they don't want to recast Wolverine for whatever reason, and I'm almost certain they're going to, if they don't want to cast wolverine but want to use x-23 going forward it's kind of painting themselves in a corner because she's a little girl in this timeline and she doesn't exist until well after they're all dead but i think i figured out a way around this and his name is cable <laughs> anyone who knows cable knows exactly what i'm talking about right now i think at the end of the film after x-23 turns the cross sideways after they bury logan to make an x it should have showed them making their way into where they were crossing into canada and who's there to meet them is none other than cable Part of me thinks this would have been in the cards if maybe they had cast Cable already um, or cast who's going to play Cable in Deadpool 2 already. But sadly, they didn't, so it didn't happen in the film. But I think that would be a perfect thing to add on to Deadpool 2 before we see Cable come to Deadpool from the future to the past or an X-Force or just anywhere like that. I think that what will happen if they decide to go forward with using X-23, I think that she will come back in time with Cable as part of his team or part of someone who's helping him in it and stay so she'll be in the current timeline at an older age where they can utilize her in the films going forward instead of recasting the character of logan um but yeah all in all logan is a deliberately scuffed up work of comic book adaptation art that is very compelling it feels like a 21st century western with a tinge of sci-fi despite the issues i had with the film i feel like logan was without question the best movie in the x franchise along with the 2016's deadpool it is the perfect example of why an r rating is the only way to go with characters like these and that dumbing them down to make a pg-13 rating is the equivalent of doing an injustice to these characters I've seen Logan twice now, and I can tell you the R rating did nothing to deter parents from taking their kids to see this film. So there's no excuses going forward. You know, this movie did over $100 million opening weekend. This movie was awesome. And it's doing, the, the ratings just go to show that the ratings are going to do absolutely nothing to deter parents from taking their kids to see this movie. If they want their kids to see the movie, they're going to take them, whether it's PG-13, RR. So don't do an injustice to these characters by dumbing them down to try and fit PG-13, to try and fit where you're going to make the max money you're sacrificing a very good movie for money and in the end your word of mouth campaign i would assume would make way more money when they're like man logan is such a good movie at an r rating versus you know it, it was all right it's pg-13 take your kids but it was only okay like you got with like the wolverine or it was a disaster that you got with x-men origins x-men origins was so bad that hugh jackman questioned ever playing the character again i'm glad that, that didn't happen because let me tell you this movie was fantastic i give logan a 9.0 out of 10 it wasn't a perfect film by any means, but it was a perfect X-Men film. It was a perfect way to send out Logan. It was a perfect way to say goodbye and thank Hugh Jackman for his time as this character. It was really well done. Like I said, if, if I don't see Hugh Jackman's name in there for... You know, if I don't see this film for Best Original Screenplay this year, that'll be a travesty. If I don't f see Hugh Jackman at least in the discussion for Best Actor, that'll be a travesty. I think Patrick Stewart would deserve 
wholeheartedly right now best supporting but we'll have to see we're early into the 2017 movie season but right now logan is the front runner in all the categories this was an amazing film wasn't perfect but it was pretty damn near close i give it a 9.0 out of 10 i feel that the 9.2 on rotten tomatoes is a little not justified i feel like it should be higher like a 9.4 9.5 but percent uh or sorry not nine but nine not 92 95 percent is is a more accurate um rating i understand it wasn't a perfect film i understand people had issues with it but i i feel like it deserves higher than a 92 percent on rotten tomatoes but that's just me and that's why you're listening to this because you want to hear my opinions on this movie am i right um so yeah that'll do it for my review of logan uh go see the movie if you haven't seen it yet it's a fantastic movie i enjoyed the hell out of it i'm interested to hear what you thought of the movie if you agreed with me disagreed with what i had to say thought differently about situations in logan or or items i talked about in this, this episode on logan um you can find me on facebook at the absolute geek podcast facebook page you can find me on twitter at guy behind a microphone um you can find me at instagram at nerdy by nature 85 you can i'm on social media everywhere the best way to get in contact with me though is going to be twitter or facebook you know if you if you click on the link on facebook leave a comment below the, below the link for this episode let me know what your thoughts and opinions on logan were i would definitely want to hear them um guys i know it's been a long time since i've done an episode of matt and a matinee and with that i apologize apologize i actually have two other reviews that i need to do but i wanted to get logan out now um i have john wick 2 coming for you and i have a review of patterson those will hopefully be out later this week no promises but i'm keeping my fingers crossed that they will be out later this week um but yeah with that being said i want to thank you for listening i hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you at the movies